You're listening to Season 1, Episode 2 of Lab Rat Ramblings. Howdy everyone, and welcome. I am your host, Arda Wire. In honor of Mother's Day, I will be presenting some research on how being pregnant and giving birth literally changes the human brain. I'm also going to talk about the bombshell draft majority opinion that was leaked from the United States Supreme Court earlier this week. So stick around, grab your favorite vice, and relax to the sound of Lab Rat Ramblings. It's no secret that pregnancy and childbirth changes people's bodies, but what about their brains? The first abstract I will present to you comes from a study done at Autonomous University of Barcelona, led by neuroscientist Esseline Hoxima of Leiden University. The paper, published in 2016 in Nature Neuroscience, is titled Pregnancy leads to long-lasting changes in human brain structure. Pregnancy involves radical hormone surges and biological adaptations. However, the effects of pregnancy on the human brain are virtually unknown. Here, we show, using prospective study involving first-time mothers and fathers in nulliparous control groups, that pregnancy renders substantial changes in brain structure, primarily reductions in gray matter volume in regions subserving social cognition. The changes were selected for the mothers and highly consistent, correctly classifying all women as having undergone pregnancy or not in between sessions. Interestingly, the volume reductions showed a substantial overlap with brain regions responding to the woman's baby's postpartum. Furthermore, The gray matter volume changes of pregnancy predicted measures of postpartum maternal attachment, suggestive of an an adaptive process serving the transition into motherhood. Another follow-up session showed that the gray matter reductions endured for at least two years post-pregnancy. Our data provides the first evidence that pregnancy confers long-lasting changes in a person's brain. The second abstract I will read is titled, Do Pregnancy-Induced Brain Changes Reverse? The Brain of a Mother Six Years After Parturition, and is a follow-up study to the abstract I just read. It was published in Brain Sciences last year. Neuroimaging researchers commonly assume that the brain of a mother is comparable to that of a nulliparous woman. However, Pregnancy leads to a pronounced gray matter volume reduction in the mother's brain, which have been associated with maternal attachment towards the baby. Beyond two years postpartum, no study has explored whether these brain changes are maintained or instead returned to pre-pregnancy levels. The present study tested whether gray matter volume reduction detected in primiparous women are still present six years after parturition. 
Using data from a unique prospective neuroimaging study, we compared the gray matter volume of 25 Prami Paris and 22 Nully Paris women across three sessions before conception, during the months of postpartum, and at six years after parturition. We found that most of the pregnancy-induced gray matter volume reductions persist six years after birth. We also found that brain changes at six years postpartum are associated with, me with measures of mother to infant attachment. These findings open the possibility that pregnancy-induced brain changes are permanent and encourage neuroimaging studies to routinely include pregnancy-related information as a relevant demographic variable. Wow. All jokes aside about having mom brain, I can say from personal experience that the bond and communication that I have with my kid is unlike anything I've ever experienced. It's no wonder that with all of the physical changes that are happening to the human brain, that postpartum depression, anxiety, and psychosis happens to new birthing parents. You guys, if there are any listeners out there that have a friend, a sibling, or parent, or even you that is pregnant or has recently given birth, please check in with them, please. All of the changes that happen hormonally, physically, emotionally, mentally are no small feat to weather. I feel like this is a great segue into our next segment where I will talk about the documents that were leaked out of the chambers of the Supreme Court and what implications that has for people who possess uteruses in the United States. Stick around. Y'all, have you heard about what's happening in the United States? Piping hot tea was spilled in Washington earlier this week when documents were leaked from the chambers of the Supreme Court. In a nutshell, the court has voted to strike down Roe v. Wade, according to an initial draft majority opinion released by Justice Samuel Alito and confirmed to be true by Chief Justice John Roberts. For listeners that are unfamiliar with United States law, Roe v. Wade was a landmark decision of the Supreme Court 49 years ago in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects a woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restriction. In 1992, Roe v. Wade was revisited in the case Planned Parenthood v. Casey. The rights granted by Roe v. Wade were largely upheld. What is the court even trying to achieve with this decision? In short, the court wishes to turn reproductive rights over to state governments instead of keeping it a federal thing. As someone who was raised in the South, I can honestly say this is terrifying. 13 states, so like a quarter of the country, have already made or are planning to make heartbeat abortion bills 
that force pregnant people into carrying fetuses if they are six weeks pregnant or more. Right now, Democratic legislators in Congress are rushing to create a new law that will protect Roe v. Wade before the court officially posts the ruling in June. Uh, six weeks pregnant. Six weeks pregnant is merely being two weeks late for your period. And newsflash that heartbeat legislators think is there is merely a signal that the embryo is having embryo is having healthy electrical pulses. That's commonly misinterpreted as a heartbeat. In reality, it takes an additional four weeks for an embryo's heart to actually be developed, and an additional week before the embryo is even considered to be a viable fetus. So while these heartbeat bills shouldn't exist, they should really be set for 11 weeks gestation instead of six. People that have uteruses should have the option to abort any unwanted pregnancy no matter what. There is a common misconception that the people who get abortions are promiscuous or don't have children, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Nearly one in four Americans that possess a uterus will have at least one abortion before their childbearing years are over. The typical abortion patient is already a parent in their late 20s to early 30s and is in a low income bracket. And most abortions happen before the first six weeks of pregnancy anyways. A statistic that I'd really like to highlight is the amount of unwanted pregnancies and abortions that are taking place right now. Since Roe v. Wade was enacted, people are actually getting abortions half as often as they used to. This piece of data stands out to me because the birth rate in the United States has also been declining. So if you're having less abortions, but you're also having less babies, what does that mean? I'd put my money on it being accessibility to things like sex education, condom, birth controls, and abortion that are preventing unwanted pregnancies. It seems like having accessible reproductive health care beyond pregnancy is a means to curb abortion rates. But hey, what do I know? What I don't understand is how the people who want to ban or substantially limit abortions are the same people that don't want to teach sex education to children when they're in school. When you get down to it, we're all animals whose biggest biological goal is to reproduce. That's why we get horny. That's why sex feels good. Telling children about those things and the consequences of them and where they can safely go in the event of a mistake is a key to preventing abortions and unwanted pregnancies that that conservative legislators and justices don't like. I feel like all of those people have this mentality of stay celibate unless you wanna have a baby which is incredibly unrealistic. Before I go, I want to share a piece of irony with you. As a person with a uterus, I have found that it's harder to sterilize yourself than it is to get an abortion. After giving birth to my kid, I never wanted to go through pregnancy or childbirth again. It was an incredibly traumatic experience for me 
that has left me semi-physically handicapped for life. After having discussions with my spouse, we decided that it would be best for us if I got my tubes tied. Sounds like a great solution to not wanting to get pregnant and not wanting to get abortions, right? Wrong. So during the consultation appointment, the doctor, who was a guy, was telling me that he felt incredibly uncomfortable doing the surgery on me because I was only 23 and only had one kid. The doctor went as far as to make my spouse sign a fucking permission slip to get the surgery. What's worse is the doctor tried to talk my spouse out of signing the slip. This was in 2016. I'm still really upset about the ordeal because I decided to go through the surgery to prevent having an abortion. The thing that all of these people just don't like. The doctor, a man, made me feel so small and insignificant about myself because he barely even spoke to me. He spoke with my spouse about my body as if my body belonged to my spouse. What you do to your body should be your own choice. I mean, there are people who die every day with beautiful organs that could be harvested, and those people get a say on whether or not those organs get to save a life. Corpses have more bodily autonomy in America than living people who possess your uteruses. Corpses. That's important. Well, folks, that's it for Season 1, Episode 2 of Lab Rat Ramblings. If you believe that people who possess uteruses should not possess the power of having bodily autonomy, I wish you a very merry... Go fuck yourself. Tune in next time where my spouse and I will ramble about Corvids and how we're trying to befriend some. Don't forget to head over to the Anchor page to donate to my fundraiser to finish school and check us out on Twitter at LabRamblings, all one word.